the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weeknight at this time on KKLA to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. Sharing the gospel is our number one goal and the reason we are here. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, located right here in Los Angeles. During these days of uncertainty, we believe this is the perfect time to turn off what the world wants to tell us and immerse ourselves in what God has to say to us through the Holy Bible. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us tonight. Aren't you glad that the God that that we serve has the entire universe just in the palm of his hand? You ever go on a vacation and overpack? How many of you ever overpacked? You got one luggage and you can hardly carry it. And when you finally get there, you're so glad that the people at the airport take it. And they take your bag that you can hardly carry along with 300 other people's overpacked luggage, put it on a plane, and you sit there and that plane just takes off. It's amazing, isn't it? Plane did all the work. In the same way, the God of the universe that we serve, he's got He not only has all of your problems and all of your heartache and all of your difficulty in the palm of his hand, he's got got every single person who lives in this country and all of their pain and all of their heartache, he's got it all in the palm of his hand. Every single person in this country, he carries carries us like this. And it's not just us, he also has all of China and he has all of Africa and he has all of Europe. And he's got just not this planet, he's got all the planets and all the stars and all the moons and all the galaxies just in the palm of his hand. I think we owe God a clap offering. I want to welcome you to church. We've had, we've had just the greatest weekend here at church that we've had in a long time. Last night, there were so many people sitting outside because it was a little cooler. They were like having a party out there. Uh, but we have people watching online, and we have uh, people indoor, outdoor, and I want to thank you uh, for joining us uh, today. We have been studying, if you're new, we've been studying through the book of Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 was where Nehemiah, who was a Jew born in exile in Babylon or Persia, 130 years earlier, Jerusalem had been destroyed, but he's He's a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and he hears a report about how Jerusalem is still in ruins after 130 years. And he weeps, and he cries, and he prays, and he asks God to show him favor. In Nehemiah chapter 2, which we looked at last week, God heard and answered Nehemiah's prayer, gave him an audience with King Artaxerxes, 
And King Artaxerxes asked him, what do you want? And Nehemiah said, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And King Artaxerxes said, okay. And so last week we saw where Nehemiah, he travels back to Jerusalem. And the first thing that he does is he surveys the walls and he sees how they're in in utter ruin. And then he gathers some people together. And this is what we saw at the end of last week and said to the people, hey, let us rebuild these walls. And so now we come to chapter 3, and I hope you have your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. The people roll up their sleeves and they get to work. Nehemiah chapter 3 reads, if you read it, I asked you to read it last week, it reads like a Hebrew telephone book. It's one Hebrew name after another. Usually, you and I, when we read through the Old Testament, we come to one of those chapters like Nehemiah 3 with all the names, what do we normally do? We just kind of skip over it. But today, guess what? We're not going to skip over it. I'm thinking since we've been locked up for so long, we got nothing else to do. I think I'm going to read the whole chapter. How many of you care if I read the whole chapter right now? I'm just going to read the whole thing. See, if you'd have read it last week, I wouldn't have to read it to you. I just think some of you didn't read it. Um, I will say this, that... Uh, You say, well, pastor, can you pronounce all these names? Absolutely. I'm going to read every one of these names. Now, I didn't say I'm going to pronounce them accurately, but I am going to pronounce them. Can someone say amen? Now, before I read, before I read this text, I want you to take your your outline and I want you to turn it over. I put a map on, on the back. And this is the map of what, as we read, This is what the walls, this is kind of what they look like, all right? I want you to have a sense uh, as we read through of what what we're talking about. Now, if you look at the very top of the map, we start at the sheep gate. We're going to come down the right side, you'll see the east gate, go on down to see if you can find the water gate, all right? So now you know where the water gate is. Go all the way to the bottom, you'll see the dung gate. Why is the dung gate called the dung gate? Because that's where all the people took all the trash, out that gate. Come up the left side, and you'll see the valley gate, the San Fernando Valley Gate. How many of you see the San Fernando Valley Gate? Okay. If you remember last week, when Nehemiah finally got to Jerusalem, it took him about three days to rest up, and then he began uh, what's called surveillance. He went out at night to survey the walls. You remember that? When he started his surveillance, he walked through the valley gate. That's where he started his surveillance last week. Right above that is the tower of the ovens. Now, had I been there that week, that month, that year, I would have been working on the tower of ovens, hoping that they were baking some bread there. I don't know what they did there, but it's called the tower of ovens. And you go on up to the left, you'll see what's called the broad wall. Now, so with that in mind, take your Bibles. We're going to read through Nehemiah chapter 3. Kinda. The very first name is Eliashib. Huh, I got one down. You say Eliashib. Let me hear you say Eliashib. Eliashib. He is the high priest, okay? So we start this chapter with Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priest. They went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. You know where that is, right? Does everybody know where the sheep gate is? Okay, okay, I showed it to you. They dedicated it. I want you to say dedicated. 
Don't, we're not going to go this slow through the whole chapter. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get going here in a minute. But everybody say dedicated it. Okay. And they set its doors in place, building as far as the towers of the hundred, which they dedicated as far as the tower of Hananel, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, the son of Imri, built next to them. Are you with me? Oh, this is, is this like the funnest thing you've ever done is read through this? Okay, chapter, verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons, a bunch of brothers, a bunch of brothers. They were the sons of Hassaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. And next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Baanah, also made repairs. And the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Verse 6, the Jeshana gate was repaired by Joada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Basodiah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon, Jadon of Marnoth, places under the authority of the government of the trans-Euphrates. Uzziel, the son of Herhiah, a, something like that. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers. See, these people all had other jobs. But for this task, they, weren't, they spent their time working on these walls. One of the perfume makers made repairs next to that, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphiah, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half-district of, who's that? It's a politician. Politicians were working on the wall. Let's give it up for the politicians working on the wall. There's a, as you read through this, there's all kinds of politicians that were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Raphai, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jedediah, the son of Harumoth, 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 made repairs opposite his house. And Hattush, everybody say Hattush. And you can all say that one. The son of... I know how to say this. You ready? Hashbaneah. Hashbaneah. He loved hash browns. He made repairs next to him. Malkajah, the son of Haram, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. That's right above the valley gate. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, another politician, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. There were girls working on the walls. Ladies, that's all you've got? It's probably the only section that worked. Verse 13. 
The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoa. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakerim. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Verse 15. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Calhose, uh, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over, putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the walls of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David, right there next to LeBron James. Verse 16. <laughs> Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the half district of Beth Zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool, the house of the heroes. Verse 17. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, the son of Bani. Beside him, Hashbaniah, ruler of half of the district of Ke, 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 uh, Keila, Ke, say Keila. There's three syllables there. Keila carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen under Benui, son of Hinadad, ruler of the other half district of Keila. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as, to, as the angle. Verse 20, how many of you, want, how many of you think we can get through this? We're, 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 we're getting there. We're getting there. Next to him, next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Elisha, the high priest. And next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz. Uh, repaired another section from the entrance of Elisha's house to the end of it. Verse 22, the repairs next to him were made by the priest from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin, Hashab, re- made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, the son of Maia, something like that. The son of Ananiah made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Benui, son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle of the corner. And Palau, son of Uzziah, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. And next to him, uh, Paediah, son of Perosh. And uh, he, he, Perosh, he came up with PayPal. Verse 26. Uh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Verse 28, we're almost finished. Above the horse gate, there, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, the son of Shekaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, son of uh, Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. And next to them, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. And then we come to the last two verses. <laughs> Pastor, I got a bed for this. Yes, you did. Verse 31. Next to him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner and between last verse the room above the corner and the sheep gate the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs oh i'm glad we don't have one more service i'm, ro- I'm so glad we don't have one more service i have to go through it. now 
Uh, having read all that, I have some points. We're going to go through them quickly, quickly, quickly. Point number one, right? This, these are very obvious, but I want to I draw your attention. Number one, the place where they started was the sheep gate. I read all that, but going back to where we started, the first two verses, Elishab, the high priest, and the other priest, and so the religious leaders were also involved, did their fair share, and the Bible says, I had you say the word, they dedicated it. It's like we have this massive project. Let's start with the most important thing. This gate symbolizes the restoration and worship and sacrifice in Israel. The sheep gate was the gate where they would bring the, if you look at your map, it was the gate where they brought the sacrificial animals into the temple area where they would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. It is not by accident that they start here. It speaks of the priority for God's people to worship. You have to remember, it was 130 years earlier that the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed these walls. They destroyed these gates. And now, under the leadership of Nehemiah, everything is going to be restored. And the first area they begin is the Sheep Gate. Now, this took place five, roughly 500 years before the time of Christ, which was 2,500 years ago from today. So they rebuild this sheep gate. 500 years later, when Christ shows up, the sheep gate is still there. So, even though we're in Nehemiah 455 BC, when you come to the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, the sheep gate is mentioned in the Gospels, and it was there at the sheep gate at the pool of Bethesda that Jesus showed mercy to a lame man. And it is very symbolic, if you study all this, that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the door. And if there is anyone here today who needs mercy, come to the sheep, come to the sheep gate, come to the Lamb of God, and God will show you mercy. Amen. Point number two, the people who did all the work were the servants. These people all were servants. There's a list, uh, uh, if, you, if you count all the names, there's like over 70 of them. A lot of them are the parents, they're goldsmiths, perfume makers, religious people, political people, people from in town. A lot of these people came from out of town that came to town just to do the work on the wall. Some were well-to-do, some were poor, some were male, some were female, but they all came together to build four towers, ten gates, and all the walls. Everybody grabbed a hammer, everybody had a chisel, everybody rolled up their sleeves, and the most often heard phrase as I read through that whole 30 verses was this phrase, next to that person was this person, then next to, then next to, then next to, next to him, next to them, next to them. I have all the verses there in your, in your sermon notes, verse 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 27, 29, 30, 31, 18 times. 
It says next to him was this guy, and next to him was this guy. They were shoulder to shoulder. And isn't that how anything great for God gets done is when people come together and work together? You do your part, you do your share, and we're all on that wall working together. A lot of them, if you notice, they work directly in front of their own house, like they're in their own little neighborhood there, and they did the section in front of their house. But when everyone is working and everyone is serving, there's this synergy, there's this sense of excitement, there's this sense that we are accomplishing something together. There's an old adage, you know this is true, that about 20% of the people do about 80% of the work. And realistically, it's about 10% of the people do about 90% of the work. Several people asked me this week after last week's sermon, hey, pastor, how can I get involved? I would like to get involved. What, What do you need? And I didn't get a chance to answer everyone, but after church, if you just go out to the information counter, they've got all different, all different kinds of ways for you to get involved. And every week, look at your bulletin. We always, you know, we're always looking for people to help and people to serve. You know that. But isn't it, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be every preacher's dream if every member of his church was involved in a life group? If every member of the church was using their gifts to serve in some capacity? If every single person who said they belonged to Shepherd Church were out every week sharing their faith and they gave faithfully and they gave cheerfully. I have a map here of the San Fernando Valley. Most of you have lived here. If you've lived here for very long, you know these streets, they're called cross streets. And we're up here on Rinaldi. But right underneath us is what's called Devonshire, then Nordoff, Roscoe, Sherman. Have you ever noticed they're they're in alphabetical order? Sherman Way, Van Oven, Victor, and then Bur- I don't know how Burbank got all the way down there. <laughs> who, who came up with that? But then going from west uh, to east, you've got, you've got Topanga, you've got Fallbrook, Topanga, Canoga, DeSoto, Winnetka, Tampa, Reseda, and Balboa. And whenever I look at this map, I know that you live somewhere, most of you live somewhere on that map. It's not by accident that God has you living where you live. But think if every member of our church, wherever you lived, it's like God put you here to work in this area for God, right next to this person who's doing this work for God, right next to this person who's doing this work for God. Imagine if we were all doing our fair share, how much of an impact we could have here in the San Fernando Valley. The main point is this, listen to this. It took a hundred and for 130 years, these walls had been laying in ruined until Nehemiah showed up. One guy got everybody else working together. And when one guy got everybody else working together, they accomplished a great task. We are better together. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message tonight has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888 818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 
we have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day. And the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith, can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch, thanking you for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.